episode 58 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Russ Cohen at Sportsology on Twitter. Sportsology.com is where you can find him on the web and on uh, social media. Also, uh, myself at Jason Mert. Follow the podcast at Stick to Hockey Pod. It's episode 57, which means that is. But you said 58 at the beginning. Did I? I? Yeah, but that's okay. Oh my I, God. I'm losing my marbles. You, you are, but I kind of let it go because I knew you'd figure it you out. You didn't let it go because you just brought it up. Well, but you figured it out. Yeah, I figured it out anyway. It is the David Perron episode of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Cup champion, he wore 57 yep. uh, in St. Louis. So congratulations to David Perron on the uh, Cup. Hope you had a good run. Uh, but we got a lot to get into today, Russ, and we're going to have a guest today. Uh, a really cool guest. I love this guy. I love this kind of stuff, the heat maps and everything. So tell everybody who the guest is. Yeah, Michael Blake McCurdy, he, uh, Ineffective Math on Twitter, uh, HockeyViz.com. He, he really is a great analytics guy, but really a big hockey fan and I think he puts together just some of the best work I, I've seen on, on the net. Yeah, and the heat maps are tremendous. They are great. You know, looking at, at the, where shots are being taken from, high danger chances, what teams are keeping, you know, shot attempts to the outside, both 5-on-5. Yeah. Five five, and it's his own PK. software. Like, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's tremendous stuff. So we're going to talk to him coming up in a couple minutes. Let's get to a couple of uh, headlines and uh, stuff to get into that's happening around the league. We're going to get to questions from Twitter as well. Um, but as we sit here right now, the Buffalo Sabres are in first place in the Atlantic Division. Are you shocked? Yes. Eight, yes, one, and one. Yep. Through 10 games, they've got 17 points. They're in first place. Florida is in fifth place in the division. And Tampa would be a wild card team right now. They're in the fourth spot. I don't think Tampa cares about winning the division anymore. No, let's, they shouldn't. Let's go with that. But I do think Florida is in the right spot. I... I'm not bullish on Florida. I know they just picked up Dan, Mike, uh, Dan, I was going to say Dan Boyle, uh, Brian Boyle, and that's going to help because it helps play the way Joe Quanville wants to play. Leadership. But, you know, right now, look, let's look at the Sabres. I mean, Jack Eichel was always going to be great. People who were downtrodden him the last couple of years, regardless of his points, were just silly. Casey Middlestat's seven points in his first 10. It was something like that when I looked. He's starting to click. Olofsson, we knew he was going to be a, a potentially really good player. Now, I think he's going to need to score five on five. You're not mm-hmm. going to score on the power play all year. As a result, their power play is deadly right now. But everything's clicking right, but it's one-eighth of the season. Yeah. And I'm still not in love with their goaltending. i got to see where this sort of shakes out, but I don't expect them to win the division. No way. Yeah. Well, do you expect them to be a playoff team? No. Yeah. I, their playoff, their goaltending is a big issue for me. Yeah. They had the 10-game win streak last year. And then after that, they fell off a cliff. They did. They were the worst team in the league, worse than Ottawa from yeah. that point going to the rest of the season. So I'm saying you got to show me a lot more. Yeah, Face some adversity, lose a couple in a row, and see how you pull out of a tailspin. Yeah, because their defense to me is average. Yeah. So Even though you got Deline and yeah, you, you, you have decent players. Rasmus Dahlin, who it is young, is tremendous, and they do have some other guys that are good. I just – when you – when you get to the bottom pair of the Buffalo Sabres, it's kind of weak. Yeah. Um, one of the teams in the Metro that's shocking me a little bit early on, and I guess I can see the reasoning behind it, is Columbus. I watched them when they went into Toronto and got the win. Matter of fact, I had money on them. Um, they got the win, but they're playing well, and John Tortorella loves this position of count. Oh, go ahead. Count us out. Right. I mean, he thrives on that. I mean, he you know he's talked about it a few times this year. This is what Torts loves. He wants to prove you wrong. He, he will smirk his way through the season if he's continuing to do well like they are right now. I don't know right today. I haven't looked at the standings today where they sit. But you know what? Good for them. I mean, 
I think Elvis is going to end up being their number one goalie, though. There's over, Lickens. Yeah, over Corpusalo. I just think over time, Torts is going to like him better because he's a little more athletic and can make crazy saves. But again, with all that they're losing, the biggest thing here is, and, and the guy who should be smirking and he'll never do it, the guy who looks like a Bond villain, Jarmo Kekalainen, he's the one who had the guts to draft Pierre-Luc Dubois oh, and put him at center because people destroyed that pick. Not me and and not Shane Malloy. You know, we do the show for, for Sirius. We love the pick. We love Pierre-Luc Dubois as a player. We said, you know what? Let's see how this works out. It's not only worked out great, it's worked out better than a lot of the other picks in that draft before him. And this could be one of the best picks in a long time. This kid is dedicated, man. I he's mean, a, he's a big boy too. He's ripped, like Jack Eichel. He's dedicated. He's strong. This, I, I mean, again, this is one of his best picks. Yeah, it was weird because people thought, well, Kekalainen's definitely going to take Yessi Pujarvi. Yeah, yeah. What a brilliant move not to take Pujarvi there after Line A in that draft. Yeah. And look, and Pujarvi's playing in where Finland right now. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a mess, too. Um, let's go to the Western Conference. The team at the top of the Central right now is Colorado. It's not a shock. They've been great, no. but they just lost Miko Rantanen. Not sure. I guess he's week-to-week week right now. Yeah, but he's out for three weeks at least, Yeah, I'm sure. that was a pretty nasty-looking I mean, his leg injury. bent the wrong way, so yeah. they're lucky it wasn't anything worse. Even if he's out a month and a half, I think they can sustain. There's a few reasons why. Their blue line is getting to be elite now. And you mm-hmm. added Kale McCarr, who, again, I can't stress enough— is He's not only going to have, have a chance to win the Rookie of the Year, but in a year or two we'll have a chance to win the Norris. Yep. There's really nothing stopping this guy in this open sort of NHL the way it is, the way he moves the puck and shoots it. Uh, you still have Zadorov, who's strong as hell there. Offensively, though, they got a friggin' steal getting Andre Burakovsky. Like, for a second and a third, I yeah. think it was, the Caps just dumped him, and he will play the part of Miko Rantanen from here on in until he's back. Yeah. And you know what? He's a pointy game anyhow. So that's something. And, and you know, they, they added Nazem Kadri, who, again, you look at this team down the middle, very, very strong down the middle. Mm-hmm. I, I expected this. Now, there were some Grubauer doubters. I am, I've never been a doubter of his. I watched him for a long time, actually. And I always felt like he could do it. I didn't know if he could do it as a one. But I, I thought if there was somebody who could do it, he might be able to mm-hmm. do it. And... So far, he, he's got good defense in front of him, and he is doing it. But, you know, we've talked about this. Pavel Francouz, yeah. he is the biggest surprise of anybody. Yep. And somebody reminded me at the game the other day. Sean reminded me of this. Uh, he sits next to me at Flyers games. He reminded me that in 2010, I was up at the World Juniors in Buffalo and watched Pavel Francouz play wow. again. Wow. And I said, you know, I got to go back. I keep notes. I keep the old sheets. Yeah. But he was actually in the world on the world junior team wow. on the Czech team, and so. But then he, I just, you know, there's so many guys to track, right? He just got off my radar. Yeah. And then when I looked him up at the beginning of the year, I saw he played a little bit in the AHL last year, and mm-hmm. then they signed him, and all of a sudden he's the backup, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember him. And but I did see him play, you know. Wow. And so it's like he, and I know he won his first game. I don't know if he's played since, but you know what? That could be like the best tandem in the league that doesn't get talked about. Well, I need we'll to see more. Um, <laughs> I know. Everybody does. Yeah, yeah, of course. We're so early in the season. Some teams have played upwards of 11 games. And I want to stay in the Central for this because Winnipeg's one of those teams at 5-6. and six. Um, it, they, they claim Lucas Spiza. Uh, it doesn't – I mean, by all 
accounts, it doesn't look like Dustin Bufflin's coming back at least anytime soon. I mean, there's still chatter about it, but yeah. I, I'm not really buying it. The um, the bigger question is, will Villy? Now you see they changed his name. He gets drafted, and it's Heinola, and everybody's good with it on yep. draft day. Everybody's good. And then I, I watch a broadcast, and it's Heinola. Yeah. And it's like, come I on, guys. I love when these guys do this. Just listen. To all Finns and Swedes and Russians, please give us a break. We can't pronounce your names to begin with. The day you get drafted, set us straight on that day. so you And don't, don't change. And don't change it so this way we can get it right. Because Unless you just want us to look bad, which is yeah. fine. Yeah. But anyhow, he's close to his nine games. I think the next game is his ninth. Mm-hmm. And then you have to make a decision whether you're going to keep him up and burn a year or not. And I'm being told that there's a very good chance he is going to go down because they're wow. they're they're short on guys down on the farm in Manitoba. So that's going to be something they're to watch. They're short on guys in Winnipeg. I know, <laughs> I know. But that's what you have to sort of balance. Do you send him down right now yeah. and see if you could right the ship? If not, maybe then you do have to bring him up and, and eat it, eat the contract. But maybe they're not going to do that this early on. Yeah. All right, let's stay in this central, the but Western Conference. I, I do, sorry. I do want to mention this because you mentioned Lucas Biza. When he was with the Flyers, there is a thing where you could play like 30-something games. I think he played 32 games, mm-hmm. and then you could still send him back, and, and it's not a full Basically, you lose the one year, but I think there's something with the at the end of the deal with negotiating rights yeah. that you don't. I think it's the um, what's it called? Uh, arbitration. Not yeah, maybe arbitration. You may yeah. you may keep an extra arbitration year yeah. for that. It's hard. It's hard to keep this stuff straight, but it does matter. So they could do that too. Okay. Um, Dallas is a team that I was so bullish on in our bold predictions episode. Matter of fact, I had Jim Montgomery being uh, the Jack Adams winner for the coach of the year. And he may have been teetering on, or still may even be teetering on, being the first coach fired in I, Dallas. I don't think he is, though. No? I, I think he set his, believe it or not, I think that Flyers game set that team straight. The day before Montgomery. They give up a goal 43 seconds in. I'm going, boy, this team's melting down. Right, right. So, so the day before, though, Montgomery was talking about his team not having passion and said, you know, if it's me or the puck, I am going to bite through a guy's leg, chew through a guy's leg to get to the puck. And I got to say, I just handed in my book sticks and stones that i'm doing with adam woden about college hockey and jim Mm -hmm. montgomery is in there yeah and so you know he he backed it up back in the day so montgomery says that the next day against the flyers they give up a goal right away after the game we talked to bishop about that and he didn't flinch which again yeah that's that's the sign of a pro because one goal one shot when things aren't going right Mm -hmm. and you don't have a regulation win on the season doesn't look good, but then when you start getting goal production from Essa Lindell and guys that you're not expecting to get goals from, that sort of helps settle them in. I also think Chris Stewart helped settle them in because I think the fight backfired on the Flyers because after that, the Flyers got extra feisty. Alexiak, yeah. Yeah, they got extra feisty after that, and there was a play in, I think, Dallas's end across, by the boards. Both teams got fired up. At that point, I felt like they woke up. And the they didn't Dallas wake up Stars. that much. They had three shots in the final 40 minutes of that game. But it doesn't matter. They still won 4-1. Yeah, they, they did. And the Flyers and had then a power the... play right after that goal 43 seconds in and didn't capitalize. Right, but then they won the next game, too, 2-1. Two to one. Yep. And so, to me, that sort of did right the ship. And also, Corey Perry came back. That was big. Yeah, and he was big against in that game against he the Flyers. three points. Three-point night, yeah. Um, the Pacific Division, before we get to Micah, um, Edmonton's sitting at the top spot right now, and we're going to talk to Micah about don't Edmonton. It. Don't believe it. Yeah, I don't either. I just I don't buy it. I just can't see it being a sustainable model for them? Well, here's something that I'm going to ask Micah because Dave Tippett asked that team and all teams that he coaches to play a perfect game, Mm -hmm. perfect defensive game. The other night against Minnesota, Connor McDavid had two shots on goal, I believe. And, you know, like, 
I get he probably took shots that missed. Oh, he took seven attempts, but But yeah. still, I mean, how the hell do you only have two for him? And the problem is you are definitely, or at least I think Tippett is sucking some of the offensive ability out of these guys by making them play a 200-foot game. So, you know, they got shut out the other night. I think they lost the next game, too. Or they, they did, yeah. They did. So, like, now Edmonton's, you know, back to probably where we thought they'd be. Yeah, and they've lost two straight. Yeah. Seven games in, 7-2-1. and one. They're in the top spot right now. But no, the... at this moment. But, but yeah. I think yeah. I'm looking at the losing streak part of it. I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm saying yeah. it wouldn't shock me if they lose a few more. People of Edmonton, we apologize, and that's Russ. Uh, you can email him. <laughs> uh, get his email address on, uh, on his website, sportsology.com. But at the bottom of the division, and we'll talk to Mike about this team, too, is San Jose? Yeah. Uh, I was a little taken back by the over-under number on them coming into the season on points. I think it was like 89 and a half. Yeah. And San Jose right now, a record of 3-5-1. and one. They've played nine games. They're sitting in the basement of the Pacific Division. What is going on? Yeah, and, and they got the Marlowe boost, but the problem is he didn't have For a any... game. <laughs> right, but that's the thing. He yep. didn't have any preseason, so you knew there'd be a lull there mm. while he sort of gets in shape. I know he's a great skater, and he looks like he's in shape, but... As you play more games yep. and back-to-backs, you can't recreate And he's that. 40. Right, and he's 40. So that's a, a problem. Martin Jones is a legit, full-fledged problem now. I yeah. wanted to give him this offseason, see what he can do, come in there. He's as bad or worse than last year. They can't survive with Martin Jones. Aaron Dell was never going to be a guy that could carry the load. So now what do you do? Yeah, he's got an 894 save percentage Yeah, you got to you got to look so at So does Dell. I mean, you, you can't be giving up goals. You can't have an 894 save percentage and win in this league. Yeah, not anymore. You got to look at the Barracuda. You might have to bring up one of those guys. Yeah, this isn't the, you know this isn't the mid 80s anymore where that save percentage is passable. This team's in trouble right now. And you know I, I thought it was very interesting because Logan Couture the other night after the game uh, when they lost in overtime, two players LeBanc and Meyer got caught out there for too long, staying on the ice for 90 seconds at three on three. That's an eternity, by the way. Here's the guy. Yosef Koronar. Maybe at some okay. point, bring him up. Yep, and hope he can save you. But Couture, very critical of LeBanc and Meyer after that game. I loved what he did. He is an honest guy. I The only thing I could tell you to speak to his honesty is when he was drafted, I remember I asked him, hey, are those your real teeth? And he said, you know what? My mom has demanded that I wear a mouthpiece so I don't lose any teeth, so I will honor that. And no, these are all my original teeth. He was wow. very proud of that, right? Fast forward like two, three years ago, he gets a tooth knocked out in the Flyers game. I go up to him and I said, dude, what the hell? And he goes, yeah, I don't, you know. Didn't I, have the mouth guard in? Yeah, he didn't have the mouth uh. guard in. So I think it was slipping now all of a sudden. So now all of a sudden he doesn't have his own teeth. But uh. he'll tell you exactly what's on his mind. He always has. Yeah. And that's and that's why he's captain material, by yeah. the way. And, you know, taking over for Pavelski in that role, he's got he's to start to let the other guys on that team know how he's going to police that room as the captain of the team, and I thought that was a right. good thing that he did. Yep. And players aren't afraid to do that anymore. Um, the other team in that division, and I, I want to get your thoughts on if you think they're sustainable, and that's Anaheim. I do think it's close to sustainable. I think, I think it's a situation where I look at it and I say, you know what, they're a bubble team, and I think they could be in it till the end, and then it all depends on that last week. I think they'll be in it right up till there because John Gibson's great. I think he's the best goalie in hockey. It's taken – people a while to warm up to him for whatever reason. Maybe because he was like a U.S. kid out of Pittsburgh. I was in on him pre-draft, at the draft, yep. after the draft. I remember when he even got demoted to the AHL, and I covered one of his AHL games, 
And I'm telling you, this guy was still so good in the room. Like, the players loved him, Mm -hmm. and it didn't even affect him, right? He went right back up to the NHL, started doing well again, but he had some injuries that derailed him. He he maybe had a couple of bad games, but again, go back and look at Mike Richter. There was a point in his Ranger career where he was teetering, and and he was losing playing time to Van Beesbrook, and there were questions about him early on. Look at Carey Price. Yeah. Not even that long ago, he lost a job to Yarrow Halak. Yeah. So... These things happen to goalies, and and I think Gibson's got it figured out because, look, Anaheim doesn't have a pipeline of of great defensemen anymore in in their system. They just don't. So now they have to rely on what they've got there and great goaltending. Like, that's it. I mean, Boudreaux, at this point, he's not doing a lot. Yeah, the Vegas goalie situation is concerning, too. Yeah. And we saw Dansk the other night here in Philly. Boy, he was horrible. Yeah, and I said Boudreaux, but it's, uh, what's his name? Dallas Akins. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, but the Vegas goalie situation, they're going to have to play fur- flurry maybe 65 times. I, I think possibly more. I mean. He's 34 years old. We saw Dansk. 61 last year. He was awful. I thought Dansk was legit Subban's awful. Hurt. Subban's hurt. At some point he'll be back, but he's not been great. No. And so now it's Garrett Sparks, I think, that's going to get a call up. They don't have much. They may call Michael Layton out of retirement. I mean, they may have to do After something. After 18 seasons. <laughs> I mean, they got a guy covering them that could still play goal. Who, McKenna? Yeah. Mike McKenna? They might have to call on him at some point. Hey, Mike, uh, you're yeah. pretty good behind the mic, but uh, I just this is a crazy situation. He should situation. at least be the rebug, right? Yeah. McKenna? Yeah. They, they got a goalie <laughs> named Yuri Patera who's years away, who I think is pretty good. I don't know if he's the number one. I won't know that for a while. None of us will, really. So that's one of the weaknesses in this organization yeah. is backup goaltending. It's been... Look, if you remember that first year, everything worked out. Anybody they brought up won a game. Even the kid, I can't remember his name, they brought him up. He came up from juniors on an emergency yep. recall. He won a couple yep. games and then went back down. Yeah, they were just riding this wave at that point. Yeah, draw a yeah they're going. Not, that's not going to happen anymore. Yeah, teams have cracked the code on that team a little bit as well. Yes. Um, real quick on the Flyers, and we're going to get to a bunch of uh, Twitter questions coming up uh, right after we get to Michael Michael Blake McCurdy. Yeah, I mean, how long are you going to keep this guy waiting? Well, we're going to get to him in a second, but uh, what have you seen out of the Flyers? Anything um, surprising you, both good and bad? Well, the, the shot suppression surprising me. You know, the, the fewer mm-hmm. shots, that's good. Uh, they are certainly keeping them to the outside. I am not shocked that there's a little bit of a down swoop in, in Carter Hart's game early yep. on because he's starting a season flat-footed. It's the second year. Like, this happens to— This travel has been exorbitant for a travel. guy like him that can mess him so up. So this is something that happens to a lot of goalies. I'm not shocked that Elliott came hard out of the gate only because that's why he's still there because yep. they know they can depend on him. He just has to stay healthy. But Elliott could rip off four or five starts here now, and I wouldn't be shocked. If he's winning games, Vigneault doesn't care about Carter Hart, what he's going to be in three years, because Vigneault is going to be like, where am I going to be in three years? Yeah. It's not an issue right now. So And you need to change a culture to a winning culture. Yeah. Now but Shane Gossespierre has disappointed me greatly. Although it's like I looked at his advanced analytics, his uh-huh. coursey numbers are great, but yeah. you know, his he's been giving up the puck a lot. Like uh I mean, I understand the coursey numbers and those things, but you gotta combine those to me with the eye test and he's been underwhelming for me as well. How many points does he have? Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a thing. I mean, JVR doesn't have any goals, but he's mm-hmm. a little bit snake-bitten. But he started off this way last year. Now, the big question is, were a lot of JVR's goals garbage goals last year? No we, pressure, we, mm. not in a playoff hunt. Uh, not well, no, they were back them. in the playoff hunt for a period of time. I know, that was I know, Scott Gordon. But, but, but it took a little while. Mm-hmm. So before well, they... he's coming off that injury, too, which was okay. a weird injury, okay. lower body. So we got to see this year consistency. I mean, Jake Voracek, ooh, yeah. want to talk about consistency. 
There's been none, and and the captain hasn't been great. No, he hasn't. And, you know, the one thing I I find about Elaine Vigneault that's so refreshing is he doesn't care whether you've been in the league 10 minutes or 15 years or you're the best player on your team or the highest paid player. After the game the the other night when they won 6-2 over Vegas, he laud the next day he lauds three of his offensive lines. The line that he said needed to figure things out was the Drew, JVR, and Voracek line. Oh, yeah, you can't. You can't just sort of like, I don't want to say sleepwalk, but comfortably get through a season with AV without being brought to the forefront at some mm-hmm. point if your play's not stellar. Yeah. Like, to to be fair, watching Sidney Crosby, what he's doing with Pittsburgh right now, now I get it that nobody's Sidney Crosby on the, on the Flyers. I get that. But the urgency that he plays with on every shift just to keep his team in the playoff hunt while they're waiting for Malcolm yeah. to get back. There's very few Flyers offensively. Connecting's one of them, but there's very few, and, and Lindblom is another, yeah. but there's very few that are playing that way right now. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is when you look at this team, and, and Vigneault was, was saying it, and Drew was asked about it when they were struggling and had the four-game losing streak, what happened in Edmonton, what happened uh, when they first returned home and losing, and then you know losing that game to the Dallas Stars. The process was right, but they weren't getting the results, and that wasn't going to sustain you. And then I talked to Michael Raffle between the second and third period of that game that they actually felt like they, you know, that period, they end up out, outscoring them, what, three to nothing in the period. Yeah. So they go up four nothing in the game, and they got outshot 18 to 13. But the team that drove play and had more chances uh, was Vegas. Yeah. And Elliott kept them in it, but they actually recognized that that may be the worst period they played all season. And that's a hurdle, but the other hurdle is getting past the Flyers being the road Flyers. Mm. Like, let's see what they do. Sleepwalking out of the room. Let's see what they do on the road again, Yeah, at least in the Chicago game, because I don't trust this Flyers team on the road. I don't. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, and I know people don't want to hear it and fans don't want to hear it, but when you when you lose a game 4-1 to one and they say, you know, we did the right things on the ice, and they did in that game. When right. you limit your opposition to three shots in the final 40, yeah. you're doing something right. Carhartt wasn't especially good in that game. No. And, you know, you look at his situation, he'll get back up on the beam and he'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, he's a mentally strong player. So let's get to him right now. We're going to take the, do the Twitter questions right after we talk to Micah Blake McCurdy right now. Follow him on Twitter at Ineffective Math and check out his website. Great website. HockeyViz.com, V-I-Z.com. Micah joins us right now on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Micah, how you doing today? I'm well, thanks. How are you? Good. We are doing well, man. I, I love your website because I fall into the black hole of I love the visualization, the heat maps that you guys provide. And, you know, I'm such becoming more and more of a believer in that not shot, not all shots are created equal. I love the stuff that you're doing. So I I got a ton of questions for you. I know Russ does as well, but I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, Michael, let's get rolling. My pleasure. Thanks. Let's get rolling with the um, projections that you had for the season. As I look at the uh, at your graph here, I love that you have Colorado at like 102.3. I was very bullish on them as well. I, I think it's a little sad that you see, like, Ottawa with just that little lazy black line down at the bottom there. Uh, that's kind of, like, sad, I guess. They're, like, on their own as far as being yeah. as far as far being bad. But we, we, we all knew that. And Detroit, too. Although you gave Detroit a red line, so I think that's apropos. But <laughs> it's still going down. And, and I remember from sales forecasting days, that's not good. But in the Metro... There are two that you have. New Jersey, I didn't think was a playoff team, but you have them pretty low. You've actually got them the lowest, 84. 
You've got the Rangers 85.3. I thought the Rangers would have a chance in the playoffs. Maybe they still will if they can gel over time. But with New Jersey, what made you so so smart and what made you pick them in that spot? What were the numbers? What were what were the reasons? Well, I I mean, so of course my whole approach, I don't pick anything myself. I make right. the model and and then I and I make it as best I can and that's where I do all of my best work. And then but I try to do that sort of in general, if you like. You know, I don't look at I don't go in and tweak and say, okay, that's wrong, I'm going to fix that. Right. If it's wrong, then I just cop it. But, but I can try to tell, you know, it's kind of like a pet, right? Like, it's my pet. I know why it does what it does. <laughs> uh, and it's like, you know, I trained it. I, he's, he's been with me since he was a puppy, if you like. Right. But, uh, but for the Devils, one of the big factors, there's a lot of factors, I mean, more than you'd expect, but one of the big ones is that, and this is a little bit silly to say, is that P.K. Subban is not the defender he used to be. It's true that he copped a lot of criticism and I was and I wasn't the kind of person you know I didn't like that I didn't appreciate it I thought a lot of it was unfair and I went to bat for him again and again and again and and I don't think I was wrong then but I do think that for reasons that I cannot understand he is nowhere close to the player he was even two years ago and the Jersey defense is you're really feeling it and then of course they've never been able to generate offense that's right. been a perennial thing you know they've been since I mean two decades now just Super clamped down, defense and offense. And the offense is still like that, and the defense is not anymore. Hey, Micah, take us through the heat maps that you do, just to kind of explain to people that maybe are sitting at their uh, computer right now listening to this and checking out the different heat maps and everything you uh, you know, you know kind of provide on HockeyViz. You know, tell, explain to people what you know the red means on shots taken five on five and, and the blue and the minus point at five and how that all kind of works and how the equation works. Sure. So the... The shot maps are my main thing. I do lots and lots of stuff, but everybody loves the maps, and so do I. And the whole idea is to get you an idea right away of where teams are taking shots and where they're not taking shots relative to what you'd expect for an average team. So where you see every now and again, you'll see boring teams, and they'll be all white. That just means average. <laughs> and so it doesn't mean nothing. It just means average. But then if you see something, so red means more and blue means less. And so if you're on offense, you want to see the red stuff all in front of the net in the I mean, everybody knows where you go to score. It's just not everybody can right. get there. And, uh, and so if you see, like, a team like the Devils, the, uh, like we were just talking about, they're blue close to the net. They just cannot get a sniff of shots close to the net this year. And the defense right in front of the net looks okay. But then in the slot, for shots against, it's bright red because they're giving up a ton of shots from right between the circles. Okay. Now, with those shots, the data that you're getting – did you have to re-enter it because the NHL seemed to have the wrong data there for a little while? Uh, so there's there's an ongoing problem with that, and part of the so this is just one of the the daily grind or yearly grind <laughs> bits of working with the NHL data. They don't, I mean, this is they don't care about the data the same way that that some people who are working with it do. You know, they're they're fixing it. I mean, I'm not going to be too hard on them. Like they they found out about it from what the twins and I worked out, and they're. They've made a fix to the software, but they haven't gone back and fixed all of the old data. So, in fact, all of the shots for the early parts of this year that were close to the net were recorded as just a tiny bit further out. Okay. So just a tiny bit here means like 10, 15 feet, which is, you know, more than enough if you're a goalie. But still, like, you're talking about shots close to the net, so it's not like, you know, you don't want to be giving up those shots either. Uh, so it's, still, it's a pain, actually, and it's not completely finished yet. I've received assurances that it's going to get better, but we'll see about that. Well, it got it trickled down to the players for because I guess Mika Zabana job was shown 
the um, I guess one of the maps or saw the data or something and said, I've been closer to the net than that. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Not surprised. A lot of I mean, there's a lot of players who who keep really you know some players don't want to know, but there's a lot right. of players who know way more than you might think. Taylor Hall knows everything that's been written about him, as far as I can tell, on every stats website in the world. Huh. And, and and not just, you know, not just like looks it up like, you know, you know, like you might look up all the pictures of you that have ever been taken so you can just look at them. Like he understands what they all mean. It's, you know, and there's lots of other players who are like, you know, I don't want to look at it. Don't show it to me. Right. But I don't make it. I don't make stuff for players. Like I never think to myself, oh, I hope so-and-so sees that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, although amusingly, just for a small anecdote, I, uh, about Zabanajad, because you mentioned him, the... I used to be an Ottawa fan when I was younger, and I have a shirt where I couldn't get a name on it, so I put his name in Farsi. <laughs> uh, so, Michael, yeah. let me let me ask you this, because one of the guys that I, I, I am very curious about and going to those danger scoring, high-danger scoring areas, and a guy who has scored in this league is James Van Riemsdyk. I think he has 39 shots right now, zero goals, and that's a good zero. My, even my math tells me that's a 0% shooting percentage. <laughs> and he's a guy with good hands, and he likes, you know, he's a net front presence on the power play. He's had a lot of grade A chances. He's not burying. What are you seeing in your data with James Van Riemsdyk? Funny, I was watching a Flyers game just the other day, and I watched him ring two, did that trademark move of his and rang it off the pipe twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's been that kind of year for him. And that's that's the, like, I mean, for something specific for data, I see actually tremendous defense from him. He's been given reasonably nice zone starts, but he's he's not letting or at least the Flyers with him on the ice this year are not letting anybody get close to the net, not even in the slot and just nowhere at all. So there could be a possibility there about, about defensive focus, although I'm not so sure. I, I think it's probably just randomness. All scorers are streaky. There's really no such thing as a scorer who's not streaky. You just don't get that many shots, and the, short, and the goalies are too good. So, you know, you're only going to – the best shooters are going to shoot 10%. That's not great. You're going to have those dry patches. Yeah, you know, the weird thing is, is this happens in January or February and you go through a seven-game stretch without scoring, it's not that big deal. But when you start out the season with the collar, you start to really squeeze it. Yeah, and there there's probably something where where that actually changes. You know, it's not just like rolling the dice again. You know, it's a person who thinks. So you're you're once that gets in your head, it's different. And at the start of the season, I think it psychologically is a bit different. You don't, Micah, you don't think that, extra defensive focus, which is something Vigneault demands, does cause players to sort of drain their offense a little bit because they do have to focus so much on that. Like a guy like Van Riemsdyk, he is not a defensively gifted guy, so he's got to really think about what he's doing there. And if he's playing deep, it's going to be hard. He's not the best skater for him to get all the way the other way, so maybe he loses a couple opportunities a game. Yeah, I. so on the one hand, I know, just, just watching the game, you know, that some guys are cheating, some guys are on the wrong side of the park right. to try to generate some offense, and some guys are the opposite, right? They know they know that maybe they're on a short leash with their coach, they know that they're valued for their defense, they're going to be on the other side of the puck, and maybe as a fan, you know, you'd say, why aren't you, you know, why wouldn't you pinch there? That was a great, great possession, we could have kept that alive. Right. You know, that sort of, like, you, there's definitely that going on. But on the other hand, you know, I don't have anything definitive on this, but every time I've tried to look into how much are guys giving up this thing to get more of that thing and it's always come out to be less than the way that everybody seems to talk about it so i start to worry like maybe it's one of those things that coaches say you know because it lets them say what they want to say okay not that it's really how the game has to be 
So I think it just might be a little overblown, even though we all know it's there. Yeah, you know, the weird thing is the, the, the disparity in shots uh, for the Flyers. They're out shooting their opponents markedly, um, and yet they sit here with this record of, and, and not really. I mean, they're they're all to a, an average start at best. But you look at a game, you know, like against Dallas, where they they lose four to one. They outshoot their opponent handily, and they only give up three shots in the in the, the last forty minutes of the game. And you end up losing that game. Has Mike Yo done a good job, kind of, uh, really, kind of structuring this defense for the Flyers and and limiting those shot, qua- the quantity for sure, but also quality. I I don't know if it's Mike Yo's fault or not, or if it's Alain Vigneault's doing, or some combination thereof. But but the defense looks better than I expected it to be by quite some distance. Do you have particular so, I mean, players you, that you look at like, in that regard? Um. Like Justin Braun, no. and I'm thinking of Braun and Niskin in, in particular in Provorov. Yeah, so so Braun um, has been a little better than I expected, although I expected very little from him. Um, <laughs> wait wait been, till it's midseason, been, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Provorov has been better than I expected. I've always been a little bit down on him compared to compared to sort of diehard Flyers fans. JVR actually is one example. I, I expected him to be, you know, really leaky defensively like we've seen in the past, and yeah. this year he has not been. Okay. So that's, you know, that's forwards too. Um, I think also that a lot of their offensive forwards are uh, are a fair bit better defensively than people say. You know, Sean Couturier, for instance, is like one of these. I think is a, a perennial Selkie snob. Absolutely, like he should yeah. he should be up there all the time. Like he's his defensive like we know he can score. We've seen that the last couple of years, but his defensive ability has been off the charts, as it were, oh, yeah. for years. And Lindblom is is strong defensively too. Extremely strong. Yeah. Now let me ask you this, because again, I look at the graph. And if I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan, I'm really sad. Now, I personally, me as a human, didn't pick them for the playoffs. But if I read this graph and it says 91.5 makes the playoffs and they're at 91.3, <laughs> that means they're like losing the last game of the season or something to not get into the playoffs. That's a shootout loss tonight. Yeah. yeah. yeah in, in fact, what that means is it means find out on the last day, you know, Wow, and like tie break and you're in, tie break and you're out. Right. Let me ask you know the plus. Go ahead. Yeah, let me ask you about the Buffalo Sabers because there's two teams I'm really curious about. Buffalo is one; they're off to a great start. Edmonton's the other. Which one of those teams is more sustainable? To me, it's Buffalo over a team like Edmonton because I think the defensive woes for Edmonton end up catching up to them. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I think it's going to come. I mean, that's the thing with, with things that are unsustainable is that they're going to come crashing down, but there's no telling when. You know, just because you've had it good, you know, this is, this is the sort of, like everybody knows, the, the first level of understanding is that, you know, when you've been lucky, you should expect that things are going to get worse. But then the next level is when you realize that when you've been lucky, you might stay lucky. You never know. It's completely random. Right, right? that's true. Like the, luck, the, fact that you, the fact that you've been lucky before doesn't make you do for more good results, but it also doesn't make you do for bad results. It's just luck. So... The teams can stay, you know, you can, you can ride a hot streak as long as you like, especially once you've started it. But part of why I really think that the, Edmund, the Oilers' luck is due to turn a shade faster, maybe, than the Sabres, is that the Oilers' luck has been almost entirely based, I mean, if luck is the word I want, almost entirely based on hot shooting. The, I mean, they, they've got some great shooters, but Connor McDavid is not a career 20% shooter. You know, this is otherworldly. It's Gretzky and... The, or or William Carlson for a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. So he, I mean, he ran that for like an entire year, and right. then he paid on it too. So that's yeah. how long it can take. Yeah, yeah, and we're sure good for him. Get your money, but <laughs> but McDavid's career percentage, 
you know, we know he's great. His career percentage is half this. Yeah. So, you know, unless you think that the best player in the league, already at the very top, suddenly got twice as good at a particular skill in this offseason, you know, that's hard to believe. Yeah, it, On the other hand, yeah. in the Sabres, it's more goaltending. Yeah, is that sustainable, though? We saw that last year. I think, right, well, I so I have a specific case here where I expected the Sabres goalies to be putting up these kinds of numbers last year, and they didn't. Okay. And so that was something that came out of my, my goalie work that I did, not this past summer, but the summer before. And so on the one hand, I was flummoxed why they didn't. You know, goalies, of course, are designed to drive you crazy. But I work with one, year, I know. Seeing those, results, <laughs> seeing those results this year, I think to myself, aha, that's, that's what I was expecting, just a year delayed. So let me ask you this. So I look again at the graph, and what shocks me, and I thought they could be a bubble team or a little less than that, is Anaheim, but you have them ahead of Calgary, Vancouver, Edmonton, and almost as good as, as Vegas. And I do think that Edmonton is going to just miss on the playoffs. But Anaheim, everything, I mean, absolutely everything in the world to me has to go right for them to make the playoffs. Yeah, and although a lot of that is, again, goaltending. Yeah. John Gibson's the best in the game. And yeah. people don't realize it, speaking of award snubs, uh-huh. and maybe it's because he plays you know, almost in the ocean, but but he is extremely good and has been, especially when he was facing, like part of how you can see he was so good, even without the save percentage numbers, is that under Carlisle, they were just happy to let people walk in and take shots from essentially no distance at all. And he was still putting up capable numbers, even with that kind of treatment. I will tell you this. I do another show where it took a little while for for one of the guys to come around on Gibson. I've been talking about him for two or three years, but this year – I did call him the best. This is the first year that I've called him the best. Yeah, when you look at goal saved above average for Gibson, and you're and you're Michael, you're dead right. You look at the high danger chances that that team gives up. You can't look at the team result and judge Gibson. You got to look at what he was able to accomplish in the games, and he has been sensational. Yeah, I mean, you got to look if you're going to judge people's test scores. You got to look at how difficult the tests are. Yeah, not all shots so are created equal. I will tell you this exactly. Though. If I was going to bet money against your graph, I would take the under for Arizona at 96.8. I don't see it. Well, that's it's funny. I mean, the, this is one of the things that, that people, you know, there's this sort of camaraderie of nerds where we've all got our own right. models. Where we make right. it like this or make it like that. You know, the, and you start to get to know, you know, like I was saying about pets earlier, you kind of get yeah. to know what kind of what things you're talking about. And, and compared to what everybody else does, I put more weight on goalies than uh, – than the average model going around. Okay. And so you they got two good like, ones, yeah. Right, Kemper and Ranta. And as well, they also have a handful of, of skaters. There's something, too, about small market American South kind of quality, you know, on West Coast, but still, the, where you, you, know, you can just be a good player and, and flourish for two or three years in a quiet way, and people just won't notice. No, that's true. That's why Kessel went there. You can be... Well, right, Kessel's not doing anything yet. Yeah, but but I mean, it's the no, perfect market for week so far. Yeah, yeah. right. And so, if you want to be, uh, if you want that kind of treatment, then it's great. But of course, if you're talking about trying to, you know, get a sense of what are we actually expecting here, then you can be thrown off. By well, let me ask you this though. I mean, early on, I gave Tocket a tremendous amount of credit because they weren't scoring goals, but they still were at a zero differential, which to me was a, a miracle. And and Kemper's been on a run now where he hasn't given up more than two goals for a little while. I've never seen him sustain that for a full season now. So what all of a sudden 
is going to make him do it now because I, I don't believe Ronta could ever carry the the load for two goalies. Like, I always feel like he's the 1B anyhow, even though they signed him as the 1A. So that's that's the sort of the trick. And one of the one of the places where I am nervous a little bit about my models, and that this is one of the places where I defer a little bit to people who know, is that you can only do so much. You know, you can get a beat on how good a guy was in the minutes that he played. And, and one of the things you're always saying is, okay, I think this guy is great. He should get more minutes. You know, he shouldn't be on the second line. He should be on the first line. He shouldn't be the backup. He should be the starter, that kind of thing. And, and so it, it's one thing to say those results were as good as that they were. You know, take account of shot quality, all that. But then to actually play those extra minutes is a different – it's not just, okay, do whatever you were doing some more. You know, if you're going to increase your workload, you've got to do more. Right. That's an extra stress. And can you take that or not? And and that's not included in anything that I'm doing. I'm always a little bit, a little bit nervous when I say something like, "Oh, you know, so and so was great in 30 games playing backup. So, uh, you know, if they can do that again, where he plays 50 games, then they're going to be 20 games better. And and if he can do that, then it's true. And if he can't, then it's obviously false. Yeah, and, and then you find out a lot of times that that guy can't do that. They get exposed. All right, last question for you, Micah, and we're going to go back to goalies again because it is the most important position in sports. Um, and and I include the quarterback in that, by the way, because the goalie doesn't leave the ice. <laughs> I've been on this rant several times on my radio show, and people tell me I'm an idiot, but what do they know? Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, when you, you watch the NHL award show, I don't know if you do, but you see the, the okay. Vesna finalist. How different are your kind of top three goaltenders in a given year or last year for that matter, comparatively speaking, to the guys that uh, the GMs vote? Over the course of the last five years, I've been doing this professionally now for six years, and over the course of that time, the I don't know if it's my models getting better or or voters getting quote unquote smarter, the, or whatever it is, but it's considerably closer than it was before. And so you're starting to see, you know, Bishop and and um, Gibson start to get those votes, even though you know sometimes people like you, you still see the discrepancies, but I'm seeing it get closer and closer and closer. Like I'm not screaming at my TV like I was. A few years back. <laughs> yeah. So, so who who are like two teams that have are in the best situation goaltending wise? I'm talking tandem as well. And who are two of the teams that you look at and you go, oh boy, this is not good. So we, we talked about on the good side. We talked about a couple of them already. Buffalo and Arizona, okay. I think, have a have a pair of goalies that I really like. Um, San Jose is the obvious example for a team that. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah. I uh, like. In fact, a number of. Like I, my my preseason predictions had them um, as likely as not to miss the playoffs. In fact, slightly more likely, something like sixty percent chance to miss. And you know, and they've they've been to the finals recently. They've been on long deep runs almost every year, and and so there was that raised a lot of eyebrows. But they seem completely determined to to play the hell out of a bunch of goalies who aren't good. I know. I, I don't I, understand it. I've talked about that too. I, I I might bring up they have a Czech kid in. Uh... I can't remember who plays for the Barracuda. I might bring him up at some point. I might. Well, I mean, look, you look at the last two last year for Martin Jones at 896 save shot. That's not good enough. You got to be at 915 no. plus. Right. I mean, you can adjust for danger all you like, but but you just have to make saves. Right. <laughs> well, he he just seems like he's off his angle. He gives up bad goals, too. Uh, do they give up a ton of high think? danger chances? Not really. I mean, although it is getting worse. Their defense is not what it used to be. Vlasic used right. to be a tremendous shot mm-hmm. and he's not anymore. And you know, and Carlson is great, but he's he doesn't have the def- quite the defensive strengths that that people would like him to have. That some people said he has, and they and lost so Braun. Like they have real problems. Yeah, that's right. And <laughs> and he was eating minutes for them, and now they're putting them on on weaker guys. Yeah, 
Yeah, no question about it. And Burns, of course, puts up points, but is weak defensively. Right, always has been. Yeah, well, they're not going to be like those old, where we started with those New Jersey Devil teams that just lock you down and, and don't get, let you get a lot of opportunities. But, hey, Micah, this is awesome. I, I love your website, HockeyViz.com. Again, follow them on Twitter, at math as well. Uh, it's great stuff, man. I love the stuff you're doing. Keep doing it, and we definitely got to get you on again, man. Thank you very much. Anytime. Thanks, Micah. All right, there he is. Uh, check his website at HockeyViz.com. Micah does a great job. Those graphs are tremendous, so we appreciate him joining us. We do. All right, Russ, now we have questions via Twitter. Okay. All right, and let's start here. Um, as my phone rings. Um, what is the proper return for JVR if he's the odd man out? Well, Instigator says, I think he's the odd man out. I don't know that to be true, but what would the return be for JVR? You're trading a big contract I, I, on a player who's struggling. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not even going there. It's not going to happen. Yeah, he's he's on this team. And, he's on this team. For and the as remainder. Micah said, too, he's, he's performed well defensively. Right. This year, he is on the team no matter what. Over the summer, we'll re- reconvene. But right now, it's not even worth talking about. All right, so let's go back to this. Uh, Mark on Twitter, at Behaviorist, asked the question, do either of you agree with Drew's statement the other day before the Vegas game where he said they have played good hockey in those Western Canada matchups? Now, the one game I, I don't agree, they didn't, was Calgary. Right. It was not a good game for him. But the game up until that McDavid goal in Edmonton, they absolutely did play. Okay, but that was up to a certain point. Yeah. And then, again— and in I, Vancouver, I think they played pretty well. I honestly don't think that what happened with McDavid and Braun was a set play. But I feel like you could probably, with other teams, do that same play mm-hmm. with McKinnon— and other players, sure. and Braun can't keep up with them. Like yeah. I think they're gonna. He's got to sweep that puck. He tried, but he yeah. he didn't. He just wasn't able. He's not able to backskate quick enough and do that at the same time. Yeah. And that and when McDavid's bearing down on you at that speed, it's oh, no. just insane. And but that I think they other teams might be able to redo that. So there were probably two of them that I didn't like. So mm-hmm. I I disagree with Claude. Okay, um, Tim Tobin goes. When's the next fan roundtable that we did? Oh, that's a good question. It's, You're the one who sets that up. Yeah, we're gonna have to figure that out. It's a good question from Tim. I'll have to get that. Uh, uh, start getting that in process. Uh, so let's ask this one. The Flyers have from uh, Sandus Minnesota on Twitter. He says, the Flyers have so many prospects but so little room. What do they do to fit these kids on the team? Now, they sent Torensky down. I think they just did that because he was able to be sent down right. without having to clear waivers. Yeah, he played well. I yeah. mean, there was no problem. I know he only scored a goal, and they probably were a little desperate for offense, and I'm not sure Farabee's even going to give him that offense in the short term. Mm-hmm. But – they're going to have a revolving door because of the cap. They're so close close to the cap that we're going to see this happen more than a few times. Which makes this that year. Chris Stewart signing a head scratcher. I know. You know. I know. Uh, when you look at it too, is Farabee here to stay? No. You think he's going to go back down? Unless he starts scoring like crazy again. How much can you say? Hey, this guy does all the right things. He plays the game right. You can get a lot of NHLers to play the game right. You can't get a lot of them to score. Yeah. So uh, he has to score. No doubt about it. Um, let's go to this one right here. Let me. Uh, the Upper Bowl Pod tweets in and says, what's the one thing the Flyers need to improve upon as these first couple of weeks of the season that we've seen? To me, it's finishing. Yeah, it's ur- urgency in the offensive zone. Yeah. I don't see the urgency, I not in the entire game. A lot of times when it's a new period, they come out like a house on fire, and then it sort sort of settles in. I just, it's almost like, you, you wish everybody kept their feet moving all the time and kept rotating. We don't see that a lot. Sometimes they're a little stagnant. Yeah. So I'd like to see a little bit more of that. I also would like to see a little more net front presence. Are you seeing enough of that? Not enough. Too no. many too many shots are coming in without taking the goalie's eyes away right. and without disrupting down there. 
particularly five on five. Yeah. You, know, you have a net front on the power play, but they absolutely got to do a better job at that. All right. So uh, Craddock Collin tweets in. He says, if Araby stays and Patrick comes back, which he's getting closer to coming back from what I'm what I understand, are we going to see more roster moves? Does that make Pitlick the odd man? Also, thoughts on Hart's up and down start to the season. So let's start with Faraby when Patrick comes back. Um, if he stays, if he is scoring, as you alluded to, and Patrick does come back, um, boy, if Patrick comes back and can play decently, then they're a, a far different team. Now you send Lawton down to the, the third line, and you really slot a lot differently. I mean, Lawton's had a horrible start here, too. I mm. mean, I kind of wonder if, if I have to choose between Lawton and Pitlick. I would probably go Pitlick. There's more things Pitlick can do, yeah. even though he's not going to score. He never takes a shift that you don't notice him. Right. You know what I mean? Right. He's a he, bowling ball. He's not going to score points. You, and Lawton, you know, he has a little bit of physicality, and, and but he needs to score some points. If he doesn't, it's his job that could be in jeopardy, yeah. I think. All right. Good point. Uh, and thoughts on Hart's up and down start to the season. For me, um, he, he was good, obviously. He got the shutout at home. He was decent. Uh, gave up a goal I didn't like in the Chicago game in Prague. Right. Um, and he got the shutout against the Devils, but the Devils haven't really been a I threat think they that shut way. shut themselves up yeah. just as much. Um, but the Edmonton game, I look at that one, and I go, was that – he's a guy that's so under control with everything before the game that having the 60 people there – Yeah, and, that's a tough one. I, I yeah. remember saying on Sirius that day, it only goes two ways, really great or really bad, mm-hmm. and it went really bad And he got him. pulled. Right. So it's never a middle ground with that, and I think the focus was taken off. But even last game, I felt like – Early on, he was a little indecisive when he was making a save. Should I drop that one off to my defenseman? Should I hold on to it? And there were a few in-betweens that he had. Yeah. He's got to cut those out. Yeah, especially the McDavid goal. Like That happened so quick, yeah. but he kind of got caught half-poke checking, and then right. he was so deep in his net, and then it snowballed on him, and, and yeah. just he lost the game. Uh, Frank Haynes won on Twitter, at Delco Soul, goes, should the Flyers lock up Lindblom early to bank on future productivity like a Couturier-type deal? Yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. He's I mean, a smart hockey player. Yeah. He does things instinctually, like going to the net, being on the right side of the puck in the defensive zone, that you don't have to tell him. He could, just does it. Could you get him for, like, $4 million for, like— I think so. For, like, five years? Yeah. Well, the thing about him, too, is um, the one thing you hear from other players is they love playing with him. Right. Why is that? Well, first of all, he's good behind the net. Um, so He's strong on the wall. He's like strong he, on the he, wall. So he holds the puck, and he wins puck battles. Yeah. There's very few flyers. That's another thing. Winning puck battles— Last game, I think they won a few more, but they mm. lose a lot of puck battles. Yeah, and uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I would, I would be fine with them locking up. It was a great find in the fifth round. Yeah. So, and his development has been great. Steve Outlaw says, uh, any idea if Patrick is going to play before Thanksgiving? I think he will. Yeah, be back he, he'll Thanksgiving. be back before Thanksgiving. I think he's about a week away at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, and he said, how long before Rubsev is up? That's a good question. I think he is going to have to prove a string where he's healthy. Mm-hmm. If he does that, he could be the next guy up. As always with the Flyers, there's a lot of questions regarding prospects. So uh, Chris Naffy tweets in and says, Hey, guys, when do you think Morgan Frost gets called up? And do you think Fletcher will eventually have to move either Patrick or Frost as Hayes is signed long-term and Couturier will get a big deal in a couple of years? I mean, that's far down the road. Yeah, I, mean, that, I can't project that. I'm far. not worried about that because you never know. Frost may end up getting moved to the wing anyhow. It may never be a center. Yeah. So that, that may work itself out anyhow. I think when he initially comes in, he's probably going to play the wing no matter what. I think Frost is going to have to play at least 20, 25 games before they give him a look because he's a different kind of player. He's, you can't just throw him in on the fourth line. You no, he's got to play it. with skilled players. And I don't know if you could put him on the third line. Yeah. Like, he's a guy like Farabee you could put on the third line, right, because he's a little greasier. There's other things he does. He does win more puck battles. 
I don't know, can you put in Frost on the third line? Like, does it make sense? Let me ask you this. Does it make sense to put, like, Frost with Lawton? Lawton can't even keep up with them. Yeah. Right? I mean, that would be a, a kind of a mismatch. If you can't keep up with them, you can't really play with them. Right, <laughs> you know right. I mean? So that's what I would worry about. All right, Gregory Gable uh, says, which player has been the biggest disappointment so far this season? Who will turn it around and who will continue to struggle in your eyes? He said, my opinion, turn it around, or uh, Claude Giroux, continue to struggle JVR. No, JVR is a proven goal scorer. I think he'll... Averages 30.5 per 82. I think he'll turn it around. Continue to struggle might be... The shooting percent, I mean, the fact that he's got that many attempts... He's in the right places. He's had yes. high danger chances. He's doing the right things. It's yeah. just not going. He's got to just trust the process. Of you know, it. We'll, we'll go hockey cliches here and just say keep getting pucks to the mm-hmm. net and all that other stuff. And and I think it'll work out for him. Uh, I think Voracek is going to continue to struggle. Well, he's not the perfect fit for Elaine Vigneault. No, and that's I was worried about that. Yeah, and so we have to see can he learn that because he he wasn't for Torts, right? I mm-hmm. mean, didn't he get traded? No, not for Torts. Sorry. Um, who was different the, coach at that time? But. Yeah, who was the coach in there when he uh, could, when he got traded to the Flyers? Damn, geez, I'm not even sure who. I know. Well, I can't even think that far back for, from Columbus. I know. Anyhow, but uh, but it didn't work out. What about for him. defensively? Who is anybody stuck out to you that's been better or worse? Provorov, I think, has been better than last year. Yeah, I thought for he had sure. one poor game, but, but other than that, I thought he I mean, settled in nicely. Uh, honestly, without him, they'd still sort of be lost. Now Niskanen has been a really good. I don't think he's a surprise. Mm-hmm. Because a surprise to me would be like the offense came back in Matt Niskanen's game two, and he's just going to have marginal offense. But his defense has been rock solid, so yeah. that that's been good. You see the the effect of having a couple of veteran D back there. Yeah, I think Braun's had a good early effect, but I do see late in games. I kind of wonder late in the season, will he have much tread on the tire? And I will say this, and then maybe you'll dis- disagree. I thought Travis Sanheim early on has been disappointing. Good point. He has not like. Kind of flashed like right. he had, like I thought he might. Right. Um, John Eichmann tweets in and says, "What's the biggest thing Carter Hart needs to work on to become an elite NHL goalie?" Rush, you take this one. <laughs> <laughs> You're the goalie guy. You go first. Well, I mean, when I look at his game, th- I guess the thing that he's just got to become more consistent. First of all, right. Um, you know, he got a little inconsistent at the end of last year after that really good run. Um, that's going to come now that he is, I guess, pseudo the man and the number one on paper. Um, even though with Elliot, we talked about it before, having Elliot and, and Elliot could get a run if he keeps playing well, and you know him coming into the season not rehabbing and training for a season's a big difference. But he's still 33 years old. Elliot right. is, but for Carter Hart, to me, he he just got to control what he can control, stick to what he does, and he'll be fine. It's just going to be a matter of time. They're much better defensively. I think that one thing that he can try and work on is when he doesn't see pucks for an extended period of time and he's got such great mental training which is crazy but when that opportunity comes and that big high danger chance does happen when you haven't seen pucks for a while you got to make the save i think the in-between stuff that i talked about earlier and also and i don't think he can do this in season but his stick work handing it to the defenseman just being able to clear it a little more he's got to work on that like he is very low bar on that, actually. Yeah, there's, to me, like on a dump in that comes in on a goalie's blocker side. Right. So on the right side of the goalie, the left right. side of the ice for the opposition. Right. He'll stop that puck behind, and all the pressure on that comes down the right side of the boards. Right. That's where they're attacking. They dump it from the left side, yeah. rims around, and they're all coming, and he keeps going on his forehand. Yeah. See, it's easy to go on your forehand because you think, I'll just get it into the glass, I'm good right. to go. But those guys are great about taking it out of the glass. They are. That's where you got to develop a really good. Strong backhand, yeah, to wheel it the the way it came, 
because that's where all the pressures come down at right side. And now yeah. the left side's wide open. That's the weak side. That's of the what ice. I'd like to see him work. Yeah, on. and that's what Marty like. Marty Turco was so good at that. Right, Turco was great. At I that. mean, he could sauce a backhand pass yeah. across the ice. Oh yeah, and again, he created the grip. Yeah, you know the Turco grip, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the first guy. Listen, I for just people that listen for for the college hockey book. I interviewed Turco and Morrison. Mm. Turco will probably never let anybody forget that he invented that grip. The Turco me. grip, yeah. yeah. He was the first. Everybody used to shoot like Ron Hextall shot it with the glove open uh, and your wrist and hand pointing down the paddle of the stick. Yeah. But Turco wasn't getting enough pressure on the stick to stop those rims around and pucks went through it. So he flipped his hand up and over. So his fingers now are pointing to the knob, the top of the stick, because he could lean on it like at three points of pressure. And he also found. You can whip the living crap out of the puck doing it that way. Right. And he was a good puck player, too. So uh, that's the Turco grip, and that's yep. the reason behind it. Yep. Um, Brian says, a couple more here real quick. Okay. Should the Flyers move on from Sam Moran? Question mark. Trade I mean, bait? Question mark. They haven't even moved on to him yet. So, yeah. I mean, he almost ran me over in the press box the other night. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to get hit by Sam Moran even when you're getting popcorn. Well, they redid the, the <laughs> like did. the press box is all new, and I come around a corner. Yeah, it's and dark. And there's Sam. It's a dark corner. Yeah, and, and, and I almost got crushed. By a, an open ice hit from Sam. And I'm like, yo, Sam, slow down a you little bit. You know who crushed me once at the elevator, but he did it on purpose? Chris Kostopoulos. I don't know if you remember. Yes. He's a big defenseman. He grabbed me, and I was like, you know what? Now I finally got the feeling of what happened when you crushed guys in the corner <laughs> without hitting the corner. Uh, I think that we were up in, I, I think we were in Montreal. This might have been during the 2010 Cup run, um, and I was traveling with the team. And... Tim Saunders was in at the press box up there, which is like that crazy catwalk that goes yeah, around the top. Yeah. You're like over the ice. The fans are actually behind you, too. It's yeah. So uh, the degree of the stands. But he came around the corner and ran into Chris Nyland oh. and like almost spilled his coffee. Knuckles. And little Timmy, I can say that because I'm little, too. Yeah. Uh, looks up and goes, will you watch where the hell you're going? Doesn't oh, even realize it's Nyland. Wow. <laughs> Nyland, I will tell you one last thing about Nyland. He still plays rec league hockey, and there are still people that challenge him, and he's one of those guys that says, you don't want to do this. Yeah. Trust me, you don't want to do this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, uh, well, that's all the questions uh, that we got for Flyers and right, from good. everybody. But uh, thanks for everybody submitting your questions at Stick to Hockey Pod, at Jason Mert, at Sportsology. Russ, you outperformed your contract once again. Good job. I appreciate it. Uh, we'll get to see you next time on the Stick to Hockey podcast, episode 58. We may even have one for you on Saturday. Wow. And the Flyers take on the Columbus Blue Jackets. I love when Ford comes. Me too. He is a party. All right, everybody, enjoy your hockey.